This morning I'll talk about a structure. <coughs> As we all know, this retreat has a certain structure to it, and uh, bodies have structures to them, and meditation has a certain structure to it. Certain kind of within these boundaries, within these limits, with this kind of form, this kind of um, something that holds and sustains, so it's coherent. And we also, our bodies have a physical structure. Um, so, um, Structuring is a, is a dynamic thing. Living systems have dynamic structures. We might say that a vortex has a structure to it. Certainly maintains a repeated coherence and shape. A river has a structure to it. The river is not still, but it, you can certainly draw the line of it. Clouds have structures to them. Music has structure to it. Poems are structures. So a lot of structure is dynamic. Um, we are that. We are we are a dynamic structure, or actually, whole mass of dynamic structures, kind of respiratory, digestive, physical, meta- metabolic, regenerative. You know, just in the physical level alone. Just dynamic structure means it's able to respond, to grow, to shift, to change in accordance with conditions. We all probably come across the sense of these terms of Nietzsche, change, and anatta, non-self. Meaning, non-self means that although there is a continuing, repeated pattern of I am, it's actually rather like the vortex in water it's fed and sustained by changing processes so you get the same sense of what it's me who woke up I'm the same same person who went to sleep it's me again, hello and here I am again you know (laughs) keep going (laughs) so what's this non-self bit but it is rather more like you know you can look at the River Thames and you can say, well, where's the River Thames? Well, there it is. So you take the water and put it in the glass. Is that the River Thames? Well, no, I guess it's not. Then what happens when the tide drops, you know, and it, the water sinks? It's still the River Thames? Well, yeah. So what is it? It's actually the, <coughs> a, 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 re, a kind of like something you can discern as continuous. And it's actually maintained through shifting and changing processes that repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat in particular patterned ways mm-hmm. and there's an intelligence if you like you know, using the word very broadly, a sensitivity and ability to respond, I call that intelligence which informs how the change is happening, how to adjust, how to go along with it mm-hmm. and a living system <coughs> such as ours is very intelligent you may doubt it at times but actually you're all very very intelligent (laughs) that's even without thinking about anything the thinking system is sometimes not so intelligent because it it doesn't adapt to change so quickly (laughs) 
tend to think in ruts and in you know patterns that get highly limited. The more you know, intelligent the system is, the more it's able to sensitize and, and shift and change and stay alive. The less intelligent it is, the more it just freezes and locks until eventually it just dies. No, no intelligence. Now, in the Buddhist sense of the Buddhist term, I use this sankara. Sankara means can be means that structuring it's both structure and structuring it's called sometimes translated as karma formations um, well, what does that mean it means that karma is, an, is activity it's dynamic as and karma generates particular residues karma cuts a, a groove karma is the river and the result is a valley because of the valley there's a river because of a river there's a valley the valley holds the river in that particular shape the river cuts the valley this is karma karma is the cutter and vipaka result is the valley is the groove and the two go together as you stay in that groove it cuts deeper and deeper and deeper so it very much contains and, and modulates the action which the system is capable of now the karma is two kinds bright karma, dark karma bright karma is that which is sustains, is alive um, enhances intelligence, enhances sensitivity enhances vitality dark karma does the opposite Should the words used are bright and dark um, in Pali scriptures not, not good and bad bright and dark because um, this isn't this is you know the not just moralizing but saying there are definite effects that are limiting and stagnating and damaging it's not you know so and there are effects that are brightening and clarifying cause and effect so naturally we'd like to you know um Amplify or tune to the good and clear out the dark, dark karma and dark results, dark residues. And the process of karma in Parker, then if you lay down a dark residue, that starts to constrict that, that, that river. So it gets narrow, it gets twisted. You know, it can't flow, it stagnates. <coughs> this is all the effects of dark karma, it creates dark residues which constrict the channel potentiality and you get very tight restricted <coughs> karma formations are sankara which means the very um, energy of that is sankara the residues it lays down are also sankara so sankara is both used for the formative and the formed the formed limits and moulds the formative the formative traces and carves the form the two work together like that and so this is Sankara and these Sankara is um, right, very crucial the <coughs> core of the Buddha's teaching 
crucial word, it's difficult to translate. Now we may um, think that karma is, you know, about doing something externally, uh, physically. The Buddha said, of the three bases of karma, bodily, verbal, that's what we say and think, and mental, by which he meant emotional or impulsive or affective, a kind of rising up of the heart. The most significant is not the bodily, the most significant is the karma, which he called mental. But in our language you have to understand mental as much more heart quality. It's that impulse, that surging, that rising up of joy or rage, fear or love, uh, grief or serenity, the sense of world's up. There is the wellspring of karma. It's right there in your heart. And that's what informs what we say and think. That's what informs what we do. It's right there, it's the source of it. So obviously, very simply speaking, to bring up the good heart is very important. Now, the results of not doing that, or having neglected that, or however it is, not being allowed to do that, or whatever, you know, being frightened to do, or missing the opportunity, um, you get residues laid down, which actually then begin to restrict the ability for the heart to do that. If you're very worried, for example, this is not sinful, but this is a definitely the dark residue you're very worried or perhaps lose the ability to be joyful or imaginative. Hmm? Depressed, lose the ability to be joyful or imaginative. We lose that ability for the heart to rise up into a lively, positive um, you know, way where maybe we see a much larger picture. The river is able to carry a lot more than when it's just narrowed or stale. This is Sankara. Now, Sankaras occur, as I said, the bodily, the verbal, which is really the thinking and speaking agency, and Chitta Sankara, which means the right, the heart formation. And these are all interconnected. Actually, all interconnected. You only have one energy system but it you know, divides into these three channels you have a life force and it and somehow our sense of who we are is generated through this life force from the time of conception something knows doesn't, un- doesn't think it but it senses this is the me bit you know, this is the me bit when you get born you come out it's very important to know this bit is the me bit. Don't eat your fingers. You know, that's me. <laughs> Someone's got to tell you that. You know, you see these little pink things down there look quite tasty and available. So naturally, it informs us through feeling and perception. Feeling is natural pleasure, pain. Perception means meaning. You recognise something, it means something. When something means something, you get, oh, that. Now, those, those two things, those feeling and perception, which are the 
the intelligence, then they they trigger a particular sankara, trigger trigger a particular energetic effect. Yeah. They trigger an effect. That's what getting it means. Yeah. It means something like, oh. So we might notice, um, and this 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 effect occurs in this whole energetic stream. So when you get something, you, it's registered, and you start to flow in that particular way. And the same with a dog. You're training a dog. Finally, it gets the point. You know, sit means do that, and then you go sit, and it does it. You know, its body is trained in that particular way. Um, it can, you train a dog. It can, you know, you whistle and it runs. You smile as a hear boy and it jumps up. You frown and say no down, and it sits down. It picks this up. So it gets, it learns. It it's learns bodily learning. Now we do very much the same thing. When you get it, when you get the point of something, there's you can you recognise this is kind of like there's in your thinking capacity there's a little kind of ah, you know, it may be blurred and swimming around or not anything, and then suddenly ding, an energy crystallises very briefly. You get the point, ding, and then there's an effect, which is a certain crystallising effect. This is quite subtle, actually. Emotionally, when something means a lot to you, more than just two and two is four, but you know they're coming to take your furniture away tomorrow. You didn't pay the bill, or something. And then you get emotionally, you get that one. It's not just an idea; it's a big wump in the heart, and you get an emotional effect, and you get a bodily effect as well. You can feel the bodily effect is much stronger there get a sense of depression or anxiety or hey it's a nice day today you've just won a million pounds and you go, right? body lifts up so in, in the more uh, profound or deeper the emotional hit the emotional meaning is the more readily one can get this recognise the bodily effect of that sometimes it's not it, it's, it's repeated emotional signals not particular huge hit but a steady drip of you don't count or you're not very important steadily dripping away it gradually brings you down and down and down and down And so we can get this in these sometimes in these um, a lot of our lives are rather anonymous, aren't they? When you're milling around through a street or you're driving to work, you know people you see are not going. Nobody's in. You know, you get this sense of getting this message from you know 150 people on the way to work. Not hey, hey well, I look a human being, but. Oh, get out of the way, or so what, or something like that, you know. So you get this effect. And even though, you know, intellectual doesn't mean anything, it's only nobody's doing anything that harmful, you know, what's happening, there's a sort of greyness, if you like, it's cast over the mind, and we go, you know, plug along. And this is the, the very subtle, um, but quite damaging effects on the whole tone of being 
it's mild, just a mild depression, mild washes of your inconsequential, your meaningless, there's no point, there's nothing new here, it's just the same old stuff every day, and you feel your energy goes, <laughs> and you, you get a flattening effect, slightly flattened effect, tedium. Tedium, then you get the in quick injections of anxiety, like, have you got this done by? Have you got this done yet? Oh, God, no. Um, We'd do five of these by tonight. Oh, five by tonight. By the end of the week, we should have this report out. <laughs> little jabs, little injections of anxiety and panic. You get that, you're flattened, a little bit mildly depressed, and then a few shots of anxiety in there, <laughs> depressed and anxious. Okay, so you're already starting to go a bit, you know, body's starting to feel a bit contracted, and well, then you start saying things to each other. Well, well, so there's bits of disagreement, uh, grumpiness, irritability, tetchiness, sarcasm, cynicism, and so forth. You start washing this over, you know, other people. We end up, we kind of saturate in these things. Um, this again has a bodily effect on an, on an energetic level. Body energy feels very disorganized, uh, chewed up. Um, Un, not healed but slightly soured back home from work through the uh, tedium of being ignored and devalued <laughs> for another half an hour <laughs> get home meet your partner who's had also a rough day and I oh yeah right has it been done so I suppose it's alright you know boop and then you will find some way of, of coming out of that so maybe we sit and meditate, maybe. Sit there. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling a bit flat, a bit anxious, trying to stop worrying about what we're going to do by the end of the week. <sighs> Can't concentrate. Oh no, should be able to meditate. Be mindful, cheer up, be mindful, get it together. Can't meditate. A bit more depression. <laughs> <laughs> When will I be able to do this properly? Anxiety, anxious. So, and then flop, you know. So, meditation eventually. Oh, God, I'll do that. I just need to just veg out somewhere, you know, get in a couch and back. (laughs) 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 And you're right. intelligent thing to do <laughs> you can do it mind- mindfully of course <laughs> just let it sag you know rather than have to come up with another set of commands to pull yourself together and so forth just kind of let it on. rest and drop and then may I be well just being, being allowing yourself that possibility may this be well loving until there's enough sense of good heart energy coming to feel well you know maybe I could actually sit here for a while rather nice wouldn't it just uh, so you've got to turn it around really 
Now the, the effects, the somatic effects on the body, um, ca- we, means that you we end up carrying residues of, you know, grief, rejection, depression, you know, the rebuttals, the um, dismissiveness, the unlovingness of other people of human contact. People going through their stuff, not blaming, but that's what happens. You're carrying that kind of, oof. and then there's the array, range of things that we should be doing or covering in a day. So okay, so you you carry, you got that bit of depression. So okay, well, right now I can't focus because I've got to get this thing done. So what do we do? We kind of well, just something that just pushes it down there. So just, okay, well forget that for the moment because I've got to get on with this, right? So just push that down there. I'll do this, but then somebody comes and says, you've got to have five of these done by tomorrow. Right, okay, well I'll just put that there, right there for the moment, I'll hold that back. Oh God, it's my daughter's birthday tomorrow, I've got to borrow a present. Okay, just put that there for a while, borrow a present, get this done. Suddenly, remember something else I'm supposed to do. Well, I just just put that there for the moment, and then I sort of shove a bit down there. And there's this kind of feeling of I'm feeling really angry right now. Just push that back a bit down there, you know, because I can't deal with that right now. So there's this thought I should be mindful. Well, forget that. Just push that there. So eventually, you only got this tiny little little aperture of free space left because you're holding so much stuff. The five things you've got to do: the suppressed rage you're feeling, the feeling of distress that you've packed somewhere else you're not dealing with either. So most of your body's actually seized up, and you've got this little tiny aperture of free space. What should I do with that? And somebody says, "Could I have a word with you?" <laughs> and you go, "No." <laughs> And all the those compartments start opening up and the grief and the rage and the despair and you dump it all on somebody. <laughs> it goes, oh. <laughs> Calm. <laughs> then they've got to deal with that. <laughs> oh, we end up kind of holding it all down and wondering, well, I don't have much energy really don't have a lot of vitality because the one that you're mostly seized up solid trying to hold all this stuff down you know, or in compartments we don't have to deal with it you know, if you're tired just being alive is tiring So, you know, we try to meditate in this uh, little three spare centimetres of space, you know, that we've got left. It's, okay, well now, this little three centimetres of free space, I want you to focus on the tip of your nose. <laughs> Do I have to? Do I have to? <laughs> I, was, I had a little bit of free space there. Put it on the end of your nose and don't waver. So you've got all this kind of unresolved stuff. You're trying to focus what's left of this little balancing a feather on the end of your nose.
So in this case, then even you know the even meditation even meditation instructions, you've got to be just aware of what fits, what what works, because the even Buddha's meditation teachings are pretty broad. Actually, you know, he doesn't generally doesn't get down to such specifics. Dispel the unwholesome, clear out the unwholesome, elevate the good, find the place where your mindfulness is, where you can be present, find the place where you feel refuge, where you feel settled, or it's called viveka, detached, which doesn't mean kind of estranged or dissociated or divorced or aborted. It means settled back from having to do, having to be, having to get hold of, having to get rid of, you feel a sense of, you know, I'm not glued onto things. It's a settled quality, it's very pleasant, Viveka. So this is actually, the mindfulness proceeds from that, from that settled sense. Refuge is that which is an image, an encouragement, an icon, of that which makes you feel settled, you know, welcome here. When you pick up that tone, that's your basis for meditation. And if you don't have that basis, then your first duty is, is to attune to that, acknowledge that, and, you know, what's stopping it? You know, you can't, it's not something you, you don't have to do, it's not something you should have to do apart from doing whatever it requires to clear out the obstructions to that. Settledness is a, is a natural, you might say it's the natural state, it's the, the ground state. You know, There's something here stopping us reaching it. We need to clear that. And there can be, obviously, we can, you know, we may find it very difficult because the bodily state the somatic state can be so you know seized that you you know you you can't hardly really feel feel it very well or it's so seized up that your mind won't enter it so the mind is always bouncing off onto this and that thinking mind is always jumping away it's trained itself through that um daily life to be on the go to think to articulate, to come up with solutions to respond to questions to answer this, to answer that to jump to this, to jump to that so eventually doesn't bother to go in the body anymore because there's so much stress and tension here. who wants to go there anyway so it just bounces around and then okay, a bit of entertainment we'll read a book, we'll have a talk we'll, we'll come up into our heads and get some sense of buzz going there that gives one a certain feeling of Agility and, and entertainment. Um, so, you know, to be able to get this thinking energy to actually enter the body, you know, to connect to the body. Mm-hmm. And the heart is, of course, in many ways the, the centre, the connection between these two, the, the thought that is imbued with the three 
three qualities of right thought or right intent. One is kindness, one is compassion, one is letting go. These are the three bases of right intent. Freedom from ill will, freedom from harshness, cruelty, punishment, freedom from hanging on, loving kindness, compassion, letting go. So these aren't just terms, they're, they're tones, aren't they? I mean, you can, you can say words like love in a kind way or a harsh way. You should love me is not a very loving thing to say, is it? But even, uh, you know, would you like to sit down? Is not using the word love, but that's there's a loving tone to that, isn't there? So, you know, we don't have to necessarily think these words so much as imbue the way we connect, acknowledge our presence in a loving way, in a compassionate way, a way that's conducive to letting go. Right? Just relax that right now. That's okay now. You know? Just settle that now. Don't hurry. You know, those kind of encouragements. This is bright karma. Because if it is... um, one senses that there is a brightness and then it's you know we can sense that and then we're actually getting it to enter into the body is feeling where the body feels that the, the compression or the numbness or the constrictions and just a sense of lovingness compassion letting go right there across the throat the chest the fingers, the hands around the face so we try to acknowledge old structure the structure has become harmful, non-supportive, not necessarily immoral, wicked, but actually darkening, that which darkens and dulls us. Even something we've deliberately done, but things that we've been in the presence of have effects through the process of perception meaning you see someone knocked over on the street have an accident on the street your body will feel shock if you see that it's done done to you but still that means something isn't it human being pain, violence that's the meaning your body knows that it receives that kind of impression So, and this world is full of meaning, isn't it? A lot of it is 
greed meaning, buy this, have this, you've got to have this. None of it's fear meaning, Al Qaeda, nuclear bombs, global warming, you know, fear meaning. The body gets all that. None of it's delusion, delusion meaning, which is about distraction and fantasy, complete deception. Get all that. Not just in your head, but it travels into the whole bodily sense of estrangement, confusion, uh, dullness, defended, shocked, and so on. We were to sit in that. Because when we sit and meditate, then now the external signals are turned down. Now we've only got our residues to, to dwell in. This is why it can be so challenging to just sit with oneself. But you're actually not sitting with yourself, you're sitting with these residues, not your fault. You don't, it's not something you deserve. (laughs) So these are, you know, when this, you know, these uh, distortions and defects are interpreted through the personality personalised then this is when the tyrant arises the tyrant says you deserve this you you use the word like deserve don't deserve should, shouldn't ought, oughtn't always, never these are the words, these are favourite tyrant words. They're, they're words of imprisonment. One of the ways to punish a person is to imprison them. So this, this distress, this sense of shock, contraction or confusion, when it's personalised, ends up becoming something that we start doing to ourselves when there's nobody else around to do it. You know? we're getting the feedback from these residues and they start to speak it sounds like me that voice sounds like me I think it's me speaking (laughs) and it's the voice of residues the pain and the sadness and the having to put up with and the feeling nobody's listening the sense of aloneness and the thing you just got to keep going and you're never going to win and so forth it sounds like me you get so used to it that eventually your thinking can't get beyond it you start to think small possibly something like enlightenment joy comes of remote ideal Somebody else has it. This is the so this, this is where the, the tyrant crystallizes out of these sankara residues. Now, when we want to unseat the tyrant, you've got to work on all these levels: the verbal, conceptual level, the emotive level, and the bodily level.
Now, the only way it's really going to count is when those three come together. So we can think all the positive thoughts we like, but unless it actually enters the body, it's like, you know, pouring water onto sand. It just doesn't go in, or it washes through, or pouring water onto rubber. It won't penetrate it because it's so locked up. So it's even more frustrating when you've listened to the Dhamma talks, and you've read the books, and you've got the ideas... And you still feel like a bag of rubbish. <laughs> it really is true. <laughs> I've heard all this stuff and I'm still actually like a ninny. You know? Well, you know, I must be a real case. But the point is that the body hasn't received it. So you've still got those compacted, distressed compartments and haven't been unpacked. Why, you know? So I really personally emphasise embodiment because the body actually can't lie the way that the thinking mind can. Can't be so deceived as the thinking mind. Ability for us to deceive ourselves or hope or avoid or distract. Because sometimes it's just it seems so difficult to really open to some of the distress that's there so the mind doesn't want to do it so unpacking this stuff can be as its own challenges and we can only really unpack if there is the sense of a safe structure a loving structure a dynamic that's safe and loving and here and we all are here the uh, hugeness of being human is that one can carry so much damage and yet still be here with a feeling of well, I'm going to try and work something out you know? this, is, this is wonderful so as we just kind of enter the body without being too specific at any particular point just the sense of body and these three <coughs> sankharas have their own particular functions and purposes if you like at a very fundamental level of establishing identity the bodily one tells me where I am the emotional one tells me how I am and the, the verbal one tells me what I should do about it all. Mm-hmm. When the verbal one is, is in the power of the tyrant, you want to be careful how much you, you do. Mm-hmm. And mostly our doing should be, first of all, to find out where I am, to make that safe and pleasant and nourishing.
then we get the how I am and then the possibility of being more discriminating about how, what we're going to do with that what we need to do right now so the general bodily sense Our attention then is something that can be stepped back. As you all know you can you can focus on something at a very fine point or you can widen your focus, you can do this with your eyes very naturally because they are <coughs> extremely skilled and used to focusing on little tiny point, big picture, middle picture and so forth. You can also do this with your mind. You, know, you, can, you can focus right close or you can step back so try to adjust those focuses and first of all the very large focus of just having a body being here the pressures how do you know you have a body the tingles, the flows how do you know it's upright is it all here yet is the is your abdomen here is your diaphragm is that still, or is it slightly held back not quite here yet is your throat here or is it slightly withdrawn not here yet face, back hands you get a sense of that whole thing and then breathing letting the breath flow through this whole bodily experience. You can feel the rhythm of the breathing. And as you um, establish such a reference, this is your basic mindfulness of breathing is this kind of reference. There's no instruction in the Buddha's teachings to focus on the nose, in the or the belly or anywhere in the tripitaka there's no reference just says know your breathing so you don't have to be you can be specific but you don't have to be there will be a time for that in terms of just accessing and ventilating and suffusing the body Keep the whole body in mind. And after a while, almost certainly, you'll notice sort of twitches or tightening or flurries occurring. Just sense something in your body tightening up. Oh, suddenly my arm, my left arm went to look bicep went to look tight. Another thought came up, and your fingers tightened up. You relax that. A little memory came up, and something sort of sharpened in your cheek. And these are the unpacking. Well, this is where you packed it. <laughs> Didn't realise you, you stuffed your daughter's birthday present in your cheek. Yeah, let go that one. Here it is. No, no. The regret over my mother that was in my neck. Oh, yeah. 
So as these things come up, just getting the, what's happening in your body, body tone, you'll feel a tightening, a certain speeding up occurs, a certain tightening, a briskness occurs, and you, suddenly you're up in your head, and things are moving, and you're out there. So when that happens, don't <coughs> jump or get irritable about it, but how does your body feel right in this situation? Don't fix it. Don't, don't fix it. Try to, from that particular place, sense, call your body, call in on your body. How are you doing down there? What's happening down there? Well, it's a pretty rough day down here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Fingers are tight, guts are in a knot, <laughs> shoulders up around my ears. Okay, well, let's just get back there and take that, breathe that down. Oh, yeah. So we just we use these things to find to find out where the where stuff is locked. It doesn't matter what it is really, because all you want to do now is just take it out of the body, and then when it's out of the body, you may some other time find some way of dealing with it conceptually or what you need to do. But right now, just cleaning the body from these these things. Some of them don't have any topics at all; they're just vague senses of you know these washes of you know, dismay or fed upness that uh, get washed over us. And above all, may I be well.